I'd like you to join me today in Luke chapter number 2. I'm going to start in verse 22 and read through verse number 35. Luke 2.22 says, And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at these things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Heavenly Father, we come before you now with your word open in front of us looking at a passage that's not quite as familiar some of the other passages we go to at Christmas time. But certainly one that gives us much to ponder today. And I pray that uh, the pondering will go much further than just our minds. May it enter into our hearts. May we truly think on these things. And may they draw our attention to you. Thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ, the indescribable gift of salvation, the joy of fellowship with you, and this opportunity to spend time in your word. Use it mightily in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our study has been for the last few weeks, come to Bethlehem, let us go to Bethlehem and see let us see this thing that the Lord has done. That was a phrase the shepherds had used back here in the same chapter of Luke, chapter number 2. So we have been twice journeying to Bethlehem. Uh, the first week we went with the shepherds. And the second week, last week, we went with the wise men. Now today we're actually going to follow through still with the words, though, where it says the angel in Luke 2.15 had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It's not Bethlehem we're going to see. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm focusing on the word see. We did the last couple of weeks. 
it's a very deep word. It implies something much greater than a mere glance, simple look, uh, that of recognition or such. It's more like a study. It's more like an investigation. It, it speaks of a searching to understand something. To, to understand it, to, to linger and perceive, to discern. It's not a casual thing. It's not a careless thing. Uh, it's an intentional and lingering look that ought to reflect a desire of the heart. And the reason we've spent this time on this is because I hope our desire is to know God. Not in a trivia way, but to know Him. So we look, as these have used the same word in the text here, in the way that they looked. You see, I, I don't want an exercise in Christmas trivia, do you? That's not why we're here, of course. I, I love the season, and you know that. Uh, I love the, the uh, atmosphere that comes with it, the music. It's very beautiful. There are some songs that are rather silly, but they're fun sometimes. The decorations, I like those. I like the gifts. I think it's a beautiful season. And, and yet, in a few weeks, we're going to put it all back in the box, aren't we? Except for the music, which we could play all year round, as some people I know do. What I want from you this year is something greater. What I want for us here at the Hillsdale Bible Church is something greater to aim at than just celebration. We have an invitation from the Scriptures to seek God. We saw that several weeks ago. How many times did Scripture say that we are called to seek Him, to seek Him? Moses, remember, Moses once asked the Lord to show him his glory. Would any of us have had the courage to say such a thing to God? Show us your glory. And yet there was a reminder in that passage, because God himself said it to him. He says, you wouldn't be able to survive it. You can't see my glory. It's more than what a human can handle. Too much for us to handle. And in his kindness, you remember, he did give Moses a glimpse. And I think he's been very kind to us to give us a glimpse. What we have is just the Word of God to read, but do you not find his glory on the pages as you read them? Do you not see him as you read these things? And yet, folks, like Moses only got a small glimpse of something greater, we too have something greater yet to come. I want to read to you just a passage. I'm not, I'll tell you it's in Revelation, but I'm not going to have you turn there. I want you to listen to the words. Alright? It says, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, coming down from the throne of God and of the Lamb, who's in the middle of the street. And on either side of the river there was a tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. There was no longer any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. 
and his bondservants will serve him. And they will see his face. Is that yet to come? Does that involve you? A believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it certainly does. You will see his face. We look for a glimpse right now. We seek to understand him now. And he's very kind to give us those things. He wants us to seek him with all our heart. Because someday we will see his face. Is that the longing that wells up within you? I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you. I would like you to ask your heart a question. You do talk to your heart, don't you? Say, keep beating. Your heart. Have you ever asked it this question? Do you long to see the Lord? Do you long to see the Lord? Is it your desire to know Him? Know Him. Do you seek the Lord with your soul? Does it ever engage the mind to seek Him out? And I know there's a lot of things that we do right now. A lot of things that go on these days. And you know how well a lot of things can crowd out our desire to think on Him. We know that too well. Let's ask about our efforts. Our efforts in seeking the Lord. We're all allotted a certain amount of time, are we not? There's so much time. There's so much money. How much of that have we ever invested on things that will bring us to know Him better? Are we willing to be inconvenienced in order to know Him? Will we spare no expense to know Him? Will we travel far and even a little bit further just to see Him? I set those questions before you because those are the things that we pondered with the shepherds and the wise men. Those are the things that they were willing to part with to see Him. Their time and their effort, their thinking, their hearts, their souls, their traveling, the inconvenience, and all the rest that we see on the pages, just to see Him. Just to see Him. Those things are exhibited before us in in the Christmas story and Scripture, and I don't think I'm embellishing the text or manipulating it at all to say these things. Because God revealed these things to them. He revealed these great things to them. And they followed his guidance and sought out Jesus. We have been given so much more than they ever received. So much more. They operated without a New Testament, folks. And some of them probably didn't even have much of the Old Testament. Maybe a little they learned along the way. But they have so little. And yet we see what they invested in seeing Jesus and they followed after that. 
And if we receive so much more, are we not accountable for so much more? Has our mind gone to spend that time to think on the Lord? Has our love for Him grown? Do we really desire to understand Him? Now, I asked these questions this morning. They're from the text as we read. But I, I believe with all my heart that this church is quite exceptional. It's an exceptional place. Very few places I have seen has the caliber of those who genuinely serve the Lord and, and can be found in a single place of worship this morning. And I, I see that as I look out among these wonderful people here. But I don't want to be content with just that. I would have a search to know him better. To know him better. Can we? Do we have room to exercise the mind a little further? To engage the heart a little more? Do we allow our soul to magnify Him? Do we put in our will as well to give of the effort, to give of sacrifices in order to seek Him? This morning I'm going to set before you another aspect of seeking Him, and it comes from the life of Simeon, and I put it this way. Invest your life in seeking Him. Set before you this morning, I set before you the life of a man named Simeon. He did not go to Bethlehem. The text doesn't say he went to Bethlehem at all. Matter of fact, he wasn't told to go to Bethlehem. He was following the Lord's directions, and he knew that he was to see the Savior. He knew that. The Lord had told him so. But he didn't assume that he'd have to go any other place than the temple because he figured that was the house of the Lord. So that would be the logical place if you're going to find the Lord's Messiah. So he went to the temple in Jerusalem. Well, the text here in Luke chapter 2, verse number 21, starts on the eighth day after Jesus was born. On the eighth day he was circumcised. That was according to the law. Verse number 22 is on the 40th day. There's a gap between the two of 32 days. Verse 22 is the 40th day. The days have passed, and now Mary and Joseph travel some five miles or so from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to give the offering that was required by the law for the birth of a firstborn son. In our reckoning, it's February the 3rd. Doesn't sound like Christmas anymore, does it? February the 3rd. It says in verse 22, the days of purification according to the law of Moses were completed. That's the 40 days. And they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, do you think that's a funny little statement, knowing who he is? Here they are taking God's son to the temple to present him to God. And God said, oh, I know that one. Present before the Lord. 
It was just written in the law of the Lord that every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord, a firstborn. How many firstborn sons are in here? How would you like that designation? Firstborn son, holy to the Lord. As a believer, you are holy to the Lord. Just so you know that. But this is set apart for the Lord. Set apart for the Lord. That's what he said. Every firstborn male set apart for the Lord. They offered their sacrifices. Now, yes, Mary and Joseph were obeying the law. Sometimes we just read that and say, oh yeah, they were obeying the law. I just sometimes wonder, how many other people were obeying the law in their day? How many others would have come in on that day, perhaps, to give an offering for their firstborn son? We don't know. We just know that Mary and Joseph did what they were told. They obeyed the law. We like that about them. We, we love that about them. They were following through with what they were told. Simeon also was following through with what he was told. We take the scene of the temple here, right in this verse 22, 23, even verse number 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. We don't know a lot about Simeon, by the way. A little bit. We don't know his father. We're not sure of the town he was exactly from, unless Jerusalem was the place. But we do know this about him in verse 25. Four important things. He was righteous. Good word. A good word. It, it can mean innocent, but that doesn't mean sinless. You know, a righteous man will sin, but he knows what to do with that. And that's, we sometimes call them blameless. And it's, again, not because they're sinful, but they just know what to do with it. He was a righteous man. He did what was right. He did what was correct. We also say that he was a devout man, according to the text. He was careful. He was cautious. He was even reverent in his actions. He, he wasn't one just to, to follow whims and such like that. He searched things out. He was thoughtful in that. His devoutness showed Another thing is said of him, the last part of verse 25, is that he was led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Those are sweet words for Old Testament setting, by the way. Not often you find the phrase that the Holy Spirit was upon one. There are a few examples, of course, in the Old Testament, but Simeon was an outstanding example of this. That means he was a spiritual man. He was an obedient man. Because the Spirit led him and he followed. He was a sensitive man to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I would pray, if nothing else, we could learn that much from Simeon. To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. He was a sensitive man. But it also said something else about him. Those three things are very prominent. But right in the middle, verse 25, it says, He was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for that. That's a great little Greek word. I should have all my students stand up and tell me what prosericomai means. They say, erikomai. Oh, that word haunts them in their dreams. Uh, that's our, always our puzzling word because it spells so funny all the time. Prosericomai. It means to come to. To come to or toward. The, the idea is 
it's expected. It's expected. It's on its way. It's coming. It's coming. This is the nature of this man, Simeon. He had received a promise about the Messiah, and he expected it. Now stop and think just for a moment on those words. How many times have you read through God's Word and saw what God had said about His love for you and His care for you and His plans for you, and you stopped and said, Lord, I expect that because you said so. I expect that to be true. And that's where I'm going to live in light of that. Looking for it. Looking for it. When I was younger, many, many years ago, my, my sister, uh, for a Christmas Eve, we always opened our gifts on Christmas Eve, and my, my sister was uh, dating a man at the time, and we weren't allowed to open the gifts until he arrived. And he was tormenting us. But the fact he wasn't there. And we could see from our front window all the way down the street. And we were watching for headlights. That's a long time to stand as a kid waiting for gifts to open. Waiting for headlights to come around the corner. Simeon was looking for something he expected. That's the word. I think it's a good word here. It tells you a lot about the man. He not only was looking just for the fulfillment of the promise, but the promise involved the comfort. That's a neat word. The consolation, the comfort of Israel. Now, he's talking about the Messiah coming. Because they knew they weren't going to get comfort in any other way. They were under the bondage of the enemy. They wanted physical relief. Uh, Those who thought it through far enough would realize they had spiritual needs far greater. And they were told often in the Old Testament that the Messiah would deal with sin. Not just Roman power, military power. Oh yeah, there were prophecies about his kingdom and such like that. But if they investigated further, they would have seen it had to do with the Messiah, the servant of the Lord coming to deal with the sin issue, which was the biggest burden on everybody's heart. They needed that comfort. And this is exactly what Simeon was looking for. The Messiah who would come in comfort. He would comfort the people of Israel. There's a promise that the Lord had made and Simeon expected the Lord to fulfill it. He expected it. He believed what the Lord had said. That's the kind of man he was. Righteous, devout, spirit-led and looking for God to keep his word. Oh, he did have another unique claim to fame, didn't he? What he was told was that he would not die before he had seen that promise. And so he was looking forward to that, as verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's the word for Messiah. That's the Greek word for Messiah, Christ. So, go back to 40 days after the birth of Christ. This text that we're looking at here. He came in the Spirit, verse 20 said, 27 said. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him in his arms. 
Now, I think that's kind of a neat picture. The video is going to be great someday. We don't know how old Simeon was. We always assume he was old because that's what our flannel graph says. Simeon, though, had been waiting and waiting. I don't know what it was like for him that morning that the Holy Spirit said, Now, he's there. He came expecting to find him. What was he expecting to find? A baby? The Messiah. What, what do you think? When you think Messiah, do you think baby? I don't think they did in the Old Testament. He came into the temple seeking the Messiah. Holy Spirit leading, to, leading him. And I wonder if it was like this. See that baby? Really? That's the one. Okay. And he went over and held out his hands. They handed him the baby. They handed him the baby. He said, it says he took him into his arms and he blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen. There's that word we've been studying. My eyes have seen. My eyes have seen your salvation. Seen. This word used by the shepherds, let us go to Bethlehem and see. The words of the wise men, when they saw the star, when they saw the child, We've seen it on several occasions already in our study. Now we see it again. The word seen, to look with understanding, to look with perception, to look with discernment. It involves more than the mind as we've tracked the word in the Old Testament as well and studied it through. It's a study of, with the mind. It's a study with the heart. It's a study with the soul. It's that which takes effort. It's that which takes sacrifice inconvenience at times, but even it has a goal in mind. And the goal, as we learned from the wise men, was to worship him. That's where they were going. To worship him. Simeon, it is said, looked at him like that. My eyes have seen your salvation. Now here's something interesting about this. What was the salvation he's talking about? Well, if you pass down to verse 34 and 35, you'll see what he says concerning the act of salvation. This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce even your own soul. He's talking to Mary, his mother, about this. In that sense, if he says, it shall pierce your soul also... What was he thinking of Christ himself? That he would be pierced, right? Perhaps what he viewed was that crucifixion day. Maybe. Maybe he was looking at the very act of salvation as he held his child in his hands, knowing that the Messiah had come for that purpose, to die. His words seem to certainly revolve right around that whole event, doesn't it? But here's what I find interesting. 
he mentions it here in this place, and maybe he had a glimpse of the cross. I don't know if that's exactly what he was looking at. But his focus was not on the act. But he's holding the baby, and he says, I have seen your salvation. There's a distinction between the concepts, you see, because there, are the, there is the event of the crucifixion of Christ and all, and we say, yes, yes, Lord, we needed that. We needed somebody to die in our place, right? That's the penalty for sins. Wages of sin is death. Jesus Christ fulfilled that. But Jesus is our salvation. He is the one who said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father, but by me. Salvation was singular, but it was through one person, and only one. The focus of salvation is not so much on the cross, but on the one crucified. There were a lot of crosses, but there's only one Savior, one who died for us. This is who Simeon holds in his hand. He holds Jesus. And he seeks to understand it. He looks at him. I've seen your salvation. Then he says in verse 31, which you have prepared. (laughs) Which you have prepared. See, God revealed his plan to save. In all the presence of the people... God graciously has given the gift of salvation to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. He's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Glory of your people Israel. What an amazing thing this is when you stop and think it through. That God should save us. That God would give his son to this world Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're a man or a woman, elderly or yet a child, whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, God has given His Son for all. He gave them to the world. That if they believe, they shall be saved. The offer was given. You know, it's not a complicated gospel after all, is it? You need to stop and think it through. It doesn't sound very complicated at all. Yet it's essential. It's essential that we understand it, that there is no other way to be saved but through Jesus. That's exactly what Simeon saw. This child, I've seen your salvation. This child. Simeon was seeking a Messiah. From best we can tell, he has invested his life in that quest. He searched, searched, searched for the Messiah. He wasn't going to settle for anything. Matter of fact, he wasn't settling for peace until he saw the Lord. Now I can depart in peace. (laughs) I wonder how many restless nights he had waiting How many anxious moments he had during the day. How many trips might he have taken to that temple? We do not know. We know he searched with expectation. And that expectation was not his own invention of his mind. He was seeking to know what the Lord had promised. 
he would not be satisfied until he saw it. Now think just for a minute or two on those thoughts. What is it that we expect of the Lord? What have you or I sought in our knowledge of the Lord? Have we even taken one step in the direction to seek Him more thoroughly? Just one step to seek the Lord. Have we invested one moment more than ever to seek the Lord? Have, have we put in one more item of expense to seek the Lord? Have we gone repeatedly to seek the Lord? Not just assume that once is going to be sufficient for a year, but constantly going and going and seeking and seeking the Lord. I don't know, and I, I assume, but Simeon must have entered that temple on many occasions looking for the Messiah. The nature of the Word lends itself to that. Looking for the Messiah, looking for the Messiah, looking for the Messiah, looking for the Messiah. Persistent, expectant, longing. And you see the passion in the words? Just to see him one time is all he wanted. One time before he died. Just to hold him for one moment before he died. A lifetime of searching, of seeking the Lord, for one moment, folks. One moment. Sometimes we ask, is, is an hour too much to invest in seeking the Lord? An hour of one's day? How about if somebody recommended to you to spend a whole day seeking the Lord? Is that asking too much for a whole day to seek the Lord? Would we be okay with, with a month? You'd say, let me call my boss first. Would we, would we be okay with investing a month searching the scriptures to know the Lord better? What if, what if the pastor called for a year of seeking the Lord? How much of that would measure up to what we just read of Simeon, who might have been investing his life in that process? I believe a habit is formed by doing something for the very first time. All it takes is that, that first time to start a process that can become routine. I think a lifetime of seeking the Lord, searching to understand the Lord, to know Him better, begins with the first time that we actually do it. So what can we glean from our, our uh, man Simeon today? If we set our searching next to his searching, what would it look like? Now I know, folks, you're probably not going to get the same promise. You're not going to hear the words, well, you'll be alive until you see him. I, I don't know if that's true or not. To tell the truth, I wouldn't go that far. I, I do think that you will see him. I told you that already, didn't I? It was in Revelation 22. You could look that up later. 
you shall see his face. You will see his face. Is that your ambition? Is that your expectation? When God says that you will be with him, when God says, I'll go to prepare a place for you, as Jesus Christ, our God, has said, if I go prepare a place for you, I'll come again. Are you expecting that? Didn't he say that? I will come again. Do you expect that? And I'll receive you unto myself. Do you expect that? And there where I am, you will always be. Do you expect that? Do you believe that he's going to come in the twinkling of an eye? Do you believe that we're going to be caught up together with him in the clouds? And thus shall we ever be with the Lord? I love that phrase. It's there so often. Look for it. Thus will we'll always be with the Lord. Are you expecting that? If Simeon heard those words this morning, guess what he would say? I'm looking for that. And would you believe him? Oh, yes, you would. I wonder if, if we're anywhere like that in our ambition, in our expectations, that God will keep his promises. We have so much to expect in the fact that Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. Do we ever enter a day thinking, it could be today I see him? Do we ever entertain that thought, I might see his face today? Because today you might. When you came here to worship today, were you expecting to see him? I said those words before you today because I've been working in this whole department of seeking the Lord with your mind, with your heart, with your soul, with your efforts, (coughs) whether you're inconvenienced, whether it's expensive, Will you search him to worship him as your goal? Will you search for him with your life? Your days, your time, even your expectations. That's talking about your future too. How are you seeking the Lord? If Simeon said, hey, let's go to the temple right now, we see the Messiah. Would you go with him? Heavenly Father, some things we ask and we leave it for the heart to answer. You know the heart. You know the heart of everyone here. And whether we set you first and seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, if we seek first your face, your glory, your way, if we seek first you. You know whether these hearts, these souls, these minds, these beings that we are, are seeking you out. And I pray, Lord, that that's our ambition and desire, 
truly the depth of our being seeks to know you. Challenge us with these simple pictures here as we've read through them for the last few weeks and especially today. We've had an example of one who has sought you so earnestly. May we follow in those kind of steps in our search too. Drive us closer to you, we pray today, Lord. And we give you the glory for that. And we long to see you face to face. May it be today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.